Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It is Studio B. We have a Studio A and C if we need it. That's true. If we need it. We got three studios. Three studios. Well, how blessed are we? We are blessed. Praise God. So uh, this is part two of a two-part series of Should Christians Celebrate Hanukkah? And so last week, our focus was on the historical significance of Hanukkah. This is true. Right? What actually happened? This week, we're going to do a little bit of review on the historical significance, just in case you didn't watch That's the last true. video. And then we're going to go right into the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Does Hanukkah have a significance for future events? That yes. is a big question. So we're going to jump right in. Let's go. You want to give us the dates for Hanukkah? Okay, so this year, 2022, Hanukkah is from December 18th in the evening and ends at sundown on December 26th. That's eight nights, right? So the 25th will be the last night, but it goes until the next day, right? Because the day starts in the evening on the Hebrew calendar. That's good. Not to be confusing to anybody. That's good. <laughs> so here, here we have, you know, we, we talked about the historical significance of Hanukkah. Let's do a little review. So prophecy is the foretelling of history in advance. History is prophecy that has been fulfilled. Ah. So why does God give us prophecies? To prove that he is God. Right. So and that's, and that's then when the we see thing. these things coming to pass, we know that it's him doing and it. And in hindsight, that's when it's easy to figure these things out. Yeah. So here's the story. A small army of devout Jews known as the Maccabees rebelled against their Greek Syrian rulers, eventually overcoming them. The holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled. Okay. Because Hanukkah means dedication. That's so right. The, uh, the Hanukkah story that took place nearly 200 years before Yeshua's birth is going to take place, I believe, in the near future. Okay. Uh, so Antiochus IV Epiphanes, he came against the Israelites and the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, the date of this is around 175 to 163 B.C. Uh, and, of course, Antiochus, he prohibited the following things. He's from the Seleucid dynasty. Uh, this is what he prohibited. Clean sacrifices on the altar. Honoring the Sabbath. Keeping of the feasts. Circumcising of all the males. And last but not least, he prohibited the Torah itself. That's actually found in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verses 41 through 50. So he, yeah. he basically came in, conquered the area, and then said, anything biblical, you can't do that. Yeah. Now, what I want to tie in is this. It's all well and good to look at the prophecies, okay? We can look at these prophecies and try to figure some things out. But what I want to throw out to you, that God today is writing Torah on minds and hearts. In Jeremiah 31, verse 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I want, to, I want you to key in on that. Uh, to keep it in context, the Torah will actually become the center of your being. Mm. From the Torah comes everything, you mm. know, redemption, the Lord, how to live, a lifestyle, you know. Uh, I mean, e even the Holy Spirit would come in there and from the very center part of your being, your, your mind and your heart. But it says here, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The cross reference is, of course, Hebrews 8, verses 8 through 13. It's also found there as well. But I would like to go to Romans eleven twenty-seven. Ooh. Because here's the interesting thing. Well, if you're going to have the Torah written on your mind and your heart, then you have to, of course, have an identity. You're going to have to have an identity. So in, in Romans eleven twenty seven, he says, For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Mm -hmm. And as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election... They are beloved for the Father's sake. So because we have the gospel and we're grafted in as Christians to the olive tree, which represents Israel, and Yeshua is the root, they, they were broken off natural branches for their unbelief. Mm -hmm. We were grafted in. Mm -hmm. But how much greater will it be when they're grafted back in? So what Life I want to try to dead. submit, yeah, but what I want to submit to you is that it says that for I would not, brethren, in verse 25 of Romans 11, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own con conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. Praise God. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn mm -hmm. away ungodliness from Jacob. So we have to put all these pieces together, Ryan, for the, for the <coughs> Hebrews, for the Christian faith, for identity, for our lifestyle, for, for an, an action that we want to take. So I would like to submit that, that I do believe the lawless one is coming uh, because Antiochus was a lawless person. Well, and, this, and it's funny, in, in the context of the Hanukkah story, which we're going to get into some of this a little bit later, but in the context, a false Messiah will come at some point and say that the law is done away with. So if our traditional Christian doctrine is saying that Jesus says the law is done away with, right. then we're definitely worshiping a non-Messiah, an anti-Christ. Well, I, I think, you know, He's opposite of Christ. So he's not going to try to pretend to be Christ. I don't think so either. I agree. He, he actually is going to be himself. He's going to be what he wants to be. At some point, yeah. Yeah. And so, I think but, he but, may get in that yeah. way, but he'll, he'll eventually so reveal himself. It's so important that we understand this. And so Antiochus encouraged the following. He, could, he encouraged idolatry, sacrificing of unclean animals, and assimilation. That's right. To be assimilated. It's like the bumper sticker coexist. You know, it just doesn't work, you know. And so, once again, assimilation is, is the whole theme uh, of the enemy at this time of year as we celebrate Hanukkah, the historical significance and prophetic significance of it. So this guy, you know, like I said, is coming. Uh, he's, he's bad news. So why don't you go ahead and uh, I'll let you take it, take it from there uh, and begin to get into some of these scriptures and references. That's right. So what we're going to do, um, also still kind of continuing <laughs> on the historical significance review from last week, but we didn't do this last week, so this is kind of interesting. Uh, we take Daniel... 
and the scripture from Daniel, which is the prophecy, which Daniel wrote these prophecies hundreds of years before yeah. the actual events of Maccabees happened. And then we're going to read the scripture in Maccabees, and you'll get to see back and forth how one is the prophecy, right. the next is a near uh, a previous fulfillment. So, right. so Antiochus does wickedly against the covenant in Daniel 11.32. And here's the verse. It says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And so, again, he's anti-what covenant? He's anti-Torah, Torah, anti-Mosaic covenant. He's anti-Torah. Wow. So, I mean, if God's going to write Torah in our minds and our hearts, and we're the people of God grafted in right. to the olive tree, it's only fitting that the, the lawless one would come forth. That's right. So then in 1 Maccabees uh, chapter 1, verses 41 through 43, it says, Then the king wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people, each abandoning his particular customs. All the Gentiles conformed to the command of the king, and many Israelites were in favor of his religion. They sacrificed to idols and profaned the Sabbath. So this is a resource called the Apocrypha. It's right. a reference to the Apocrypha found in most Catholic Bibles. Okay, but but like I said, it's a resource to put the, 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 the I guess the pieces together. Sure. You know. So then also Antiochus desecrates the temple in 1 Maccabees 1, 21 through 24. And here's what it says. It says, He insolently invaded the sanctuary and took away the golden altar, the lamp stand for the light with all its fixtures, the offering table, the cups and the bowls, the golden censers, the curtain, the crowns, and the golden ornament, and the facade of the temple. He stripped off everything and took away the gold and silver and all the precious vessels. He also took the hidden treasures he could find. Taking all this, he went back to his own country after he had spoken with great arrogance and shed much blood. Wow. Oof. Continue on. Yep. So in Daniel 11.31, he talks about this mysterious thing we remember as the abomination of desolation. Right. Okay. And uh, here's the verse of what Daniel actually says. It says, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. All right. So we saw here in Daniel eleven thirty one. That's Antiochus the fourth Epiphanes. And oh. so then we go to 11, uh, chapter one of First Maccabees, verse fifty four, and we see the fulfillment here. It says, "Now the fifteenth day of the month of Kislev, in the hundred and forty and fifth year, they set up the abomination of desolation upon the altar and builded idol altars throughout the cities of Judah." On every side. So this is the 15th day of Kislev that they put in the abomination of desolation. So right before, right, the uh, the season of, of Hanukkah. Yeah, and sure. And so the abomination of desolation refers to a statue of the Greek god Zeus that was placed in the temple by Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And of course, this study, uh, the statue of Zeus has Antiochus' face on it. Because Supposedly, yeah. He is presenting himself image. as God. An image on the Temple Mount that right. should not be. Well, in, in images. And Epiphanes, in his name, is him declaring, right, his deity, that he is God, and he wants the people to treat him as such. So, so far we've been going through Daniel and Maccabees, but we're going to move forward one more step, and we're going to say, hey, where is that in the New Testament? That's true. I'm glad you asked. There's an abomination <laughs> of desolation coming, right? It's a prophecy. That's right. So... Uh, Yeshua in Matthew 24, verse 15, makes mention of the abomination of desolation when he says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. 
So he mentions this abomination of desolation as if it's a future event. Now, keep right. in mind, Yeshua is saying this 170 right. years later, right. right? 160 odd, some odd years later, after the events of the Maccabees has already happened. Right. And of course, he's referencing the prophet Daniel, which was hundreds it's years. going to happen again. Even before that, saying it's going to happen again. Exactly right. And so in uh, Daniel chapter uh, 9, verse 27, we have a, a mention of the Antichrist. And it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Yeah, I mean, so let me just interject here, just mm -hmm. the portion of the scripture. Go back and we can read uh, Daniel. Uh, I'll check it out. I have it here. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. We isolated that one, verse 27, but verse 24 says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, okay, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation, right, reconciliation uh, for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Okay, so this particular verse is laying out 70 weeks for the, the people of Israel, for the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so basically we only have one week left. 69 weeks have been fulfilled in, in regard to this prophecy. So there's one week hanging in the balance. Daniel's 70th week. Yeah, Daniel's 70th week. And so this one week hanging in the balance is what most uh, biblical scholars that's what he says in the Say midst of the week. is a future event, which right. is the, the great tribulation. So, so, you know, I think it'll be better as things happen and we look back in hindsight at the situation and say, oh, look, this is what's going on. I'll give you an example. I don't think any of us are going to know who the Antichrist is until there's 10 leaders and three are usurped because there's a lot of candidates or whatever. Sure. Types of Antichrist. Hitler was a type of Antichrist. Yasser Arafat was a type of Antichrist. So, you know, what I'm saying is that if there's one week left, it says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Right. You know. Now remember and in the midst of the week, he shall, he shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to see. So he will make a seven-year agreement. It'll now, be a seven-year agreement. Now, just a little side note here. Uh, there's a lot of talk about that the Antichrist makes the covenant. But remember, it says that he confirms the covenant. Yeah. So we don't know if this is a new covenant or if he's taking oh, some yeah. other peace agreement that was already created right. and then confirming it or extending it for seven years. Right. Right? So, yeah. So let's, let's jump, because for the sake of time, Ryan, let's jump into and show people Maccabees versus Matthew. So history versus prophecy. So go ahead. Sure. Let's hit that. The persecuted flee into the mountains. All right, so in uh, Matthew twenty four sixteen, Yeshua says, Then let them be in Judea, who, who, or which be in Judea, flee into the mountains. And of course, this is after he says the abomination of desolation right. stands in the holy place. Twenty four sixteen, the Olivet Discourse. He says, so when they see that, get out of Dodge. Get. Right? Because it's about yeah. to go down. You don't want to be there. And then if you notice, uh, he's kind of, like you said, mirroring the story of Hanukkah from that already the Maccabees, right? So the persecuted flee into the mountains in 1 Maccabees chapter 2, verses tw verse 28. It says, Thereupon he, referring to Mattathias, fled to the mountains with his sons, leaving behind in the city all their possessions. That's right. And uh, that's, that's history. It's interesting because Yeshua then mentions in Matthew 24, verses 17 and 18, the very next verses, he says, Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Leave your stuff. Go. It's, this is a, it's a prophecy. It's time. It hasn't happened. Correct. But well, it happened, the, and then yeah, it's going to happen Yeah, but now again. show history. 
It says, Thereupon Mattathias uh, fled to the mountains with his sons, leaving behind in the city all their possessions. Wow. Isn't that interesting? You can just tie that in. Yeah. See, that's a good resource. Right. It's the same, per- yeah, same verse twice. Um, now, pray that your flight is not on the Sabbath in Matthew 24, 20. He says, but pray that ye, pray, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. This is the prophecy. The historical account, remember 160 years prior, in Maccabees 2, uh, 1 Maccabees 2, 32 says, many hurried out after them and having caught up with them, camped opposite and prepared to attack them on the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting that we have the Sabbath? Right. We have Torah in our minds and hearts. We honor the Sabbath. See, it's all set up right. for, the, for the lawlessness and the spirit of Antichrist. I mean, think about it. Would you ever think that you'd ever hear from our government that we have to cut spending on the police or the, the sheriffs, you know? Mm. <laughs> would you ever think that we should cut funding and spending on that? Or we should do away with it altogether? Mm. I mean, it, it, that's lawlessness. I mean, obviously, policing is racist. Remember, John Cougar Mellencamp. I fought the law. And the law won. And the law won. That's right. I fought authority. Authority always wins. Where was I? All right, so. That's historical. On uh, also. So what happened? Why would they have to fight on the Sabbath then? What, what, what happened? Well, so the officers and soldiers attacked them on the Sabbath, and they died with their wives, their children, and their cattle to the number of a thousand persons. They weren't going to fight on the Sabbath. They got attacked. They right. didn't feel like they should attack or go to war on the Sabbath. So they did, a thousand people lost their lives. Not good. But they ended up fighting. They did. So then Matthew twenty four nineteen, Yeshua says this. He says, And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Wow. Woe unto them. So then, uh, so again, remember, he's doing prophecies for the future, but alluding to the story that everybody that's listening to him would have already known, right? So in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verses 60 through 61, it says, Women who had had their children circumcised were put to death, and keeping with the decree with the babies hung from their necks. Their families also, and those who had circumcised, were killed. You know, just a reminder, going back to Matthew twenty four twenty, but pray you that your flight be not in the winter, Neither Hanukkah. on the Sabbath day. So, so winter is, is a major, major season that Hanukkah takes place in. Right. Well, in, in the story of Maccabees, we just read uh, that they put the abomination of desolation in the temple on the 15th day of Kislev, right. which is in the winter. So, so think about it. Now we have a historical account of you can't practice the Torah, the Sabbath, the feast days. You can't honor the circumcision. And if you were found, they hung the babies around the, the necks of the mothers. Yeah. That's t- that's just a tyrant. That's just savage. Yeah. You know, there's a recent event in Iran where they uh, they took one of the protesting leaders, you know, because there's a bunch of protests going on in Iran right now, and they hung him from a crane. So they hung him. They executed him. Oh, I didn't him, know that. And they hung him. So his body's just hanging there from a crane so everybody can see it. So that they're trying to send a message and to the protesters. And that's today. This is, this is literally this week. This is this week. This happened this week. It's crazy. So what's the question? The question is, would Jesus celebrate Hanukkah? Uh, I think I think we're going to find out that Jesus did celebrate Hanukkah. So since we are already in Matthew and the prophecies, now you're going to you want me to take it? I, I'm I'm down for whatever you think. All right, I, I'm going to take this little part here. Then we'll go get back to Ryan. Um, so so Yeshua's deity in Hanukkah can be found in John chapter 10 verses 22 through 42. And for the sake of time, <laughs> for the sake of time, we are not going to go into great detail. But I would like to bring out three main portions of scriptures that is going to reiterate what Yeshua is setting up as a redo. He's fixing this thing. 
In John chapter 10, verses 22 and 23, it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, which is Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. And it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. <laughs> and remember, Hanukkah is the Hebrew word dedication. That's right. So the Hanukkah feast of dedication is, yeah. is the feast of Hanukkah. So, so uh, Yeshua goes up on the that's Temple Mount. <laughs> He's celebrating Hanukkah. It's winter. It's, it's, it's going down. And in John 10, 30, he says profoundly, I and my Father are one. So remember, the, the Antiochus was up on the Temple Mount. Right. He's claiming to be deity, Epiphanes, right. you know. And then, of course, uh, here's Yeshua setting the record straight, right? What? Almost 200 years later? Right. He's going to set the record straight. Well, now, and then, you know. the question here is, because there's some that would say that when Yeshua says these words that he's not claiming deity. And I want to just kind of squash that, because right here within... Well, the Gospel the, of John proves his deity. Well, that's the whole point here. So... In, in these verses, he says, I and the Father are one. And then it says, then the Jews took up stones to stone him. And then he says, well, which of my good works is it that you're stoning me for? And their response is, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now in context, remember, the Hanukkah story from Maccabees, where you know Antiochus Epiphanes is setting himself up as if he's God, in the temple, and then right. the future fulfillment, knowing right. the prophecies of Daniel, saying right. the abomination of desolation, where somebody will set themselves up in the temple as right. if they are God. Right. Now Yeshua shows up, actually God, right. saying he's God, but right. they not recognizing him. Right. I am my father or Say one. they're going to stone Now the good news is, is in John 10, 42, it says, and many believed on him there. Which is the good news. Okay. So so basically what we want to look at now, because we've, we've seen the uh, historical significance of Hanukkah and Antiochus, so I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. Um, the future Antichrist will pick up where Antioch has left off. Uh, we're going to review Daniel 11, verses 36 through 30. Yeah, actually, verse 36 through 45 of Daniel 11. So, so now we're projecting into the future, and I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. He can read these verses. We can get into right. this as well. And I got some notes that I can interject as well as we get rolling here. So in... Last week's study, we went through, I think it was like what, uh, verses 24 through 35, something like that, 20 through 35, in the book of Daniel chapter 11. Yeah. Now we I get think to... It's, uh, oh, oh, it's verses 21, I guess you 35. could say to 35, yeah, right. 36. There's a transition going on there. Correct. So That's we, Antiochus Epiphanes all the way, the fourth, yeah, fourth Epiphanes. He's from the Seleucid dynasty, boy. They were whew, pretty heavy stock. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's even to the point of, I mean, look at look at Assad in Syria today and what's yeah. going on. I mean, I don't know. Right, and so we're finishing up by showing that there was some sort of a resistance, that there was a group of folks that were righteous, that were teaching the Word of God, and they were killed, right? And they yeah. were tortured and whatnot. And then it finally, it ends, and it says, And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. It's still for a time appointed. There's still a future date where there's actually going to be an Antichrist. So now we transition from 35, where we're talking about Antiochus Epiphanes in the Maccabees right. story. Right. And we're moving into verse 36, where we're now talking about the future coming Antichrist. Right. All right? So. Which is amazing. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so here's what it says in verse 36. It says, And the king shall do according to his will. And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. Is it for that that is determined shall be done? That's a great question. You'd have to tell me. Let me say Daniel 11.36. We're just going by the notes, you know. 
So this parallel yeah, for that that yeah right for that that, that that for that that for that that see in mine it says and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. So again, there's a a coming prophecy that's a not real antichrist great, that's actually going to the happen. personal pronoun he is used exactly right his will his will <laughs> exactly and so, the king shall do according to his will exactly. So in Isaiah chapter 14, we talk about Lucifer. And Lucifer gives five I wills. Yeah. And this is what we know is going to happen because the Antichrist will be what? The seed of Satan, right? He'll at least be a follower in, in some regard. And we know that Lucifer being a fallen angel had said some things. And here's what it says. It says, his first thing he says is, I will ascend into heaven. And then he says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north, which is the Temple Mount. Good point. And then he says, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. So the spirit of Satan is what drives the Antichrist. This is Lucifer. To set himself up as if he is God, right? You know, but here's the end result. Isaiah 14, 15. Thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Exactly right. Oh. After he's ranting and raving, I will, I will, I will, at five, which is the number for grace. Yeah. Isaiah 14, 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Love the Lord. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because he's saying that he will sit (laughs) upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I know, and that's the Temple Mount. Exactly right. Wow. And but that's what the we're hearing the Antichrist is going to do. That he's going to sit in the temple right. and say that he is is God. So let's keep rolling. In Daniel eleven thirty seven it says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Now, some people take this to mean that the Antichrist will be Jewish because he's saying yeah. he's the God of his fathers. Right. And it even talks about nor regard any God. Um, But there's also the possibility that he's Greek of some sort, right? Right. Has a pantheon of gods and that he doesn't, you know, recognize even them. Well, here's the thing. If he's the spawn of Satan, the seed of Satan, he's Satan. Oh, yeah. So there's no, there's no line of. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, now, now it says, nor the desire of women. uh, The desire of women may refer to Tammuz, a Babylonian fertility god. Tammuz is also mentioned in Ezekiel 8.14. In other words, this person won't recognize any deity or religions at all. Right. Okay. Not even pagan ones. Right. That's what I think it means. Uh, Instead, he will proclaim himself to be divine and the ultimate power. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I agree with that. Um. So that's verse 37. Verse 38 says this. It says, but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. Munitions. Or munitions, right? A god of war. He says, and, and a god whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things or things to be desired. You know that uh, Satan has uh, nine jewels That's embedded right. in him. <laughs> He's three stones short of an ephod. Three stones short of an ephod. <laughs> now, the god of forces or munitions is believed by some to be Jupiter or Zeus, okay? Mm. The implication is that this king will make war his God. More than all his predecessors, he will wage war and glorify its horrors. 
look what's happening even now. Yeah, it's in bad. Ukraine and Russia, it's bad, yeah, atrocities. So once again, we want to keep in mind as Ryan keeps going here, he'll honor with gold and silver and with precious stones. That's right. Well, and and um, Yeshua himself in the parable of the sower mentions riches, right? He says, uh, "He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and." The, uh, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becometh unfruitful. And that's Matthew thirteen twenty two. But um, which means all of us can fall into the spirit of antichrist when we fall into the the worship of of mammon. You know, the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he become unfruitful. Yep. And then Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, chapter six, verse ten, he says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil." which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's the love of money. The love of money. I remember it was like somebody said, well, if I just had more money, well, what, well you can't even do with what you have. Well, money only solves the problems that not having money causes. <laughs> I mean, think about all these people that were lottery winners. Yes. They said it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some good stories out there, but there's some horror stories, too. I could imagine. But uh, that's interesting, especially the times in which we live. It's all about commerce mm-hmm. and Bitcoin. <laughs> Maybe not. So uh, another thing that we know that the Antichrist will do is he's going to work at splitting up the land of God. Not a smart move. Yeah, it's kind of happening now a little bit. It you know, happens there. a lot lately, man. Two states. In my solution. lifetime, we've had the Oslo Accords, right? We've had Gaza given back in the Bush administration. We've had uh, the deal of the century with Trump. Um, even Obama was, you know, you know, he didn't it, do any it, of these. I guess covenants. it was what, well, late 2019 in December, I believe, he presented his peace plan and a two-state solution or a Palestinian state. Oh, January 28th, 2020 was was actually mentioned. Yeah, it was actually mentioned 300 times. Right. The two-state solution. Palestinian or, or state was the Palestinian state. Right. So I have to go back and look at that. If we can, is it a public document or not? Absolutely. So here's what's insane about this, as you're mentioning that, right? I was on a plane the day he announced it, January 28th, 2020, headed to Israel. And I'm like, oh, good. They're going to announce, you know, the deal of the century on the day that I'm headed over. You know, that always stirs up issues. And, and it stuff, sounds you know? great, though, right? That, hey, he wants peace in the Middle East. He's Until he came out with the plan. He had the Abraham Accords. It was great until they came out with the plan. Yeah, I know. Because then it was like, wait, you're going to split up the land? Uh, well, there goes that plan. <laughs> so much he went for, downhill fast after that. So much that. for the deal of the century. You look at anybody that wants to divide up the land, they don't end up very well. Political suicide. Well, and it stinks because, you know, Jared Kushner was supposed to be, you know, the his token Jew that was supposed to be like, a, the, what, a good arbiter or, or above no. reproach in this case. And it's like, you know, turns out that, you know, he's just a politician and was trying to work his, you know, his little magic to, to make a, a quote-unquote peace but it doesn't work. Let's get into the land verses. All right, I'm sorry. I get, I get a little excited when we talk this about This is big split. time, man. We got to focus geographically on Israel. All right. Daniel 11:39. It says, Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. Oh! Not good. Land for peace. And then in Joel 3.2, we have a, a prophecy yes. from Joel, which tells you what happens. Uh, it says, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. 
and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my Oh, land. it's not good. Matter of fact, the book of Joel is an incredible book to read. It really is. Because it ends up with the judgment of the nations. Well, it's almost like a timeline for the last days, too. I know Tommy Waller was kind of sharing it. Yep. Be something to go back and look at. He knows all about it because he's right there at Mount Gerizim. Yeah. Well, but see, God. He's the, in Samaria. From the very beginning. That's Samaria, right? Yep. Mount Gerizim, Mount is, Gerizim Samaria. is Samaria. The heartland of Israel. That's right. So God has been saying from the very beginning not to do this, right? It says in Leviticus chapter 25, 23, it says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. So who does the land of Israel belong to? The Lord belongs to Yahweh. He owns it. It's his. To do what he wants with it. That's right. You know, let, let me go to a verse real quick. I just, I, I'm, I'm there. Oh, you're there? I'm there. You're there. I'm there. Go Look there. That. Oh, 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 I'm oh, there. Oh. Do you see it? <laughs> no, I'm there. It's a lot of page turning. I'm there, though. For being there. But I'm there. Okay, you're there. Okay. Amos 9.15, and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them saith the Lord thy God. Praise God. Amos, famous well, Amos. And here's Deuteronomy 32, 43. It says, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. All and right. that ends the land. So now we're moving on to the kings of the let's, north and let's, the south. Let's jump in here. That's all you. Let's jump in here. The kings of the north are Syria and the south, Egypt, versus the Antichrist. Daniel eleven forty. Bum, bum, bum. And at that time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. Wow. Daniel eleven forty one. He shall enter also into the glorious land. This is the Antichrist, which is the glorious land, Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand. Even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon, Jordan. Mm. This is where they get Petra and fleeing to Petra. These will escape out of his hand, which is really the modern day country of Jordan today. Um, that's something to think about. Daniel eleven forty two. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. So he's taking ground. Now, there's President Sisi or is it General Sisi mm. for the leader of Egypt? It's militarily run and operated. Uh, the population of Egypt currently is 107 million 400, or no, 107 million 42,786. Wow. Just a few. 107 million people. Wow. It's a lot. In Egypt. And keep in mind, there's like, what, 10 million total in, in Israel? So, so remember, the kings of the north, kings of the south, Syria, Egypt, Daniel 1143, uh, in regard to treasures. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians, North Africa, shall be at his steps. So, the countries of Libya and Ethiopia are currently involved in a civil war. The city of Benghazi is located in Libya. Uh, remember the Benghazi attack in Libya took place on September uh, 11th and 12th of 2012 uh, at a U.S. Uh, diplomatic post. Uh, of course, there were four deaths, many casualties, but wounded. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, a U.S. Uh, place of residence, 
and it was a uh, Ambassador Stevens was right. was killed, and uh, and of course uh, there were there were three others uh, killed as well that were I guess soldiers. So once again, we can see the stage being set for this, and it's already there for the taking. Uh, this is all public records, uh, and, and we'll move on. In Daniel eleven forty four, but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy it, uh, and utterly to make away many. Wow. So uh, bad tidings. He's getting some emails. He's getting some texts. Yeah, it's like the news. Twitter account. It's like news. He gets he the gets tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Okay. But we go into Daniel eleven forty five. It's the last reference in Daniel, uh, in this portion, the holy mountain, and he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas, the Mediterranean, and the Dead Sea is what that is between the seas, in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. The glorious holy mountain is Mount Zion, or the city of Jerusalem. Okay. So it says, he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Well, none's going to be able to help him, because you're about to read why he comes to his end. Well, he gets thrown into the lake of fire. That's right. Uh, the Antichrist in Second Thessalonians 2.8. Well, he gets 8, bound yeah, for bound. a thousand years. No, he gets thrown into, it's Satan that's bound. Oh, roger that. I'm sorry. Yes, the Antichrist please. goes into the lake of fire. Forgive me, you're right. Yeah, Satan is bound. So that's interesting. It says here in Second Thessalonians 2.8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Listen, imagine this for a second, okay? The enemy can't get help, right? It says none shall help him. Why? Because the Lord himself comes down and destroys him with the spirit of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. The brightness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming back is going to be so bright, it's going to destroy the enemy. Just wow. the brightness of his coming. Wow, we got so much. <laughs> it is a lot. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. Uh, That's right. We want to kind of switch gears a little bit here. We want to get into the book of Haggai, which takes place in 520 BC, because, you know, why was the date picked to defile the Temple Mount, the 25th of Kislev? Right. In 175 BC, because you look at it 500 years before Christ. Now mm -hmm. we have to look at Haggai and the uh, the current condition and what was going on. And I'll interject as we go, uh, just about the dates. Yeah, well, it is interesting because we're going to start with Elul one in Haggai one one, and it says, right. "In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek." the high priest sang. And obviously the first day of the sixth month, that's the month of Elul. Season of Teshuvah begins. And exactly. The Elul season. 1 to Tishri 10. So this particular date, the season of Teshuvah begins, and the word of the Lord comes to Haggai. That's right. So verse 2, And thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So basically he's saying, Hey, the people have said it's not time to build the Lord's house yet. Right. Because this is during, what, the time of Ezra and Nehemiah and the return? They're contemporaries, I think. I would say so. They have to be. So what's happening now? There's some lacking? There is. And so it says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. And this is verse 6 of Haggai chapter 1. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. So in other words, because you haven't taken care of the Lord's business, your business 
is just for not. You know what? It reminds me of that verse in Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and his his righteousness. Everything else will be added into you. If you take care of the Lord's business, I'll take care of your business. I believe that with all my heart. That's good. So what's the deal? They have their priorities messed up. Right. Which I got to say, in life, if we could all just get our priorities straight. cares of this life. Oh, man. I tell you what. The cares of this life. So here's what it says in Haggai 1.8, and this is obviously the prophet speaking the words of the Lord, and it says, Go up to the mountain and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Wow. Thus saith the Lord. Go build the house. He wants the house. He wants the house. It's game time. I think he wants something on the Temple Mount today. Uh, yeah. Because of the prophecies. Yeah. You know, he wants a house of prayer for all nations. He wants something up it's there. It's coming. Oh, yeah. It's coming. So, continuing on in Haggai, this time in verse 11. What about 11, some circumstances here? Do we have some circumstances? We do. And Ooh. it says, And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. Wow. So the Lord is judging the land of Israel because they have... When there's a drought, there's no blessing. Right. I'll withhold the rain. Because they did not... What else you don't come up for tabernacles? Prioritize There'll his be no house. rain on That's your right. land. That's true. On the, and the nations. So they won't build his house, so they're gonna, he's going to punish them. Like, hey, come on. That's right. So obedience, Haggai 1, uh, verse 12. says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, and, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Wow. Smart, smart stuff to the do. High, the priesthood's getting involved. And notice, then, notice the remnant. Correct. So Haggai 14, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Praise wow. God for the remnant that's, there's, but, you know, that, that puts the wrath of God off. But of when rest. does this happen? Well, it just so happens that it happens in the twenty. I'm sorry, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Which is what the twenty fourth day of Elul. So it's it's the season of teshuva of sure. returning, repentance, build right. my house. Perfect timing, isn't it? So they begin the work in yeah, Elul, right? And then uh, continuing on to chapter two, verse one, it says, "In the seventh month, in the twenty, and I'm sorry, in the one and twentieth day of the month." came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, this is Tishri 21, the last day of tabernacles. Wow. Yeah. Now the last day of tabernacles. And so the word of the Lord came, and so uh, he says... Give him time. Haggai chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, and the high priest, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. So he's encouraging them, you know, be strong. Them on. Do this. Do it. Build me something. And in verse uh, 6 of chapter 2, he talks about the shaking. He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And then in verse 7, he says, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. So the 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 house will be so glorious the nations will desire to come up to it that's right and then he says uh in chapter 2 verse 8 talking about wealth he says the silver is mine and the gold is mine saith the lord of hosts so it doesn't belong to 
any person. Interesting. It belongs to him. Wow. And then he even goes on to say that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So this will be even better, at some point at least, than Solomon's. You know, I, I think there's like, like a near and a far fulfillment too, to some degree. I don't know. There's something going on here. Like, will the Lord, the Messiah, build the future temple? And, you know, there's the temple in Ezekiel and... That's never been built or understood. Mm-hmm. So there's something going well, on When you have here. the context of the New Testament and the words of Yeshua, it's difficult to say that it's the Messiah that built the temple. So we have some certain dates here of Elul 1, beginning of season of Teshuvah. We have uh, a number of days, I believe the 24th day of Elul uh, uh, for uh, a reference. And then we have, what, the a day of tabernacles as a reference. And now what are we going to get into? Yep. And now we get into the 24th of Kislev. The day before the 25th. Right. Hanukkah. The day before the 25th. That's right. Because right currently we celebrate Hanukkah on the 25th, right? Yeah, the 25th of Kislev. So, but the original dedication of this particular <laughs> temple happened on the 24th of Kislev. That's right. It says, in the four and 20th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord of Haggai the prophet saying, and of course this is the day before Hanukkah, and says, no, then, yeah, this is the day before Hanukkah. Haggai took place around 520 B.C., Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes will come around 175 BC, so Haggai is 500 years before Christ. So go ahead and get into uh, Haggai 2:14. Right. So, so they're laying the the foundation here, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. Go ahead. So it, this is the, about being unclean. It says then answered Haggai and said, "So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean." Whew. So he's, he's putting down what they're bringing to the, to the temple now. Uh, and then in verse 18, it says, Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. And that's the 24th of Kislev, the day before Hanukkah. Right. And then on, in verse 20... That's when, the, when, that's when it was laid. Right. So we're seeing the abomination happening a day later by Antiochus in 160. Well, it was no, laid the, so. the day after Tabernacles. Because they started the work on the day after Tabernacles, and then they're supposed to dedicate it and finish it at the 24th of Kislev. It was laid. Consider right. it. And again, the word of the Lord came into Haggai in the 4 and 20th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I'll overthrow the chariots and those that ride them, and the horses of their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. Wow. So maybe this is, you know, we, we know that they've rebuilt the temple and then Herod added to it right? at this particular time. But what I'm wondering is if this is a, a far fulfillment as well to something going up there to, to be a, a marker to let the nations know I'm going to come and judge you. Yeah. Because the Antichrist is going to say, we'll talk about that. You want to get into the, the five-step process found in Haggai? Uh, yeah. So the first step we find in Haggai is that the priorities are not in place. Which Is that you listening and watching? Is it you? Is God first? And then the priorities are in place, so they get their act together, right? Right. And then we talk about the future temple that hadn't been built yet because, right, God was saying right. you don't have your priorities in place. You've right. been building all your own house and your own kingdom, but you haven't built up my house. And then the foundation of the temple is laid, and then there's... Judgment Day. Number five. That's right. Number five. Wow. So the defilement of the temple by Antiochus took place on the 25th of Kislev 
in the ninth month in the year 167 BC. The rededication of the temple by the Maccabees took place three years later to the day on the 25th of Kislev in the year 164 BC. Very interesting. So we have this laid out for us that the, the foundation of the temple was established on the 24th of Kislev and dedicated and all of that. And the enemy comes and blasphemes and does the abomination of desolation a day later. After the fact, the future temple and the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So here's a prophecy, here's something being shown in a revelation, a vision, that Paul gives to the uh, church in Thessalonica, okay? So that he as God sitteth in the temple, see, he as God, claiming to be God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we know something has to happen on the temple mount. That's why it's such a tinderbox. So what historical events will take place during the celebration of Hanukkah in the future? I don't know. That's a good question. So and Matthew 24 gives us a little bit of an idea, you know. So it's good to go and study that and get an idea of what's going to happen. I think so. You know, so, so basically, you know, uh, even if the oil didn't last for eight days, like the, like the legend says... Uh, you still have a uh, prophetic significance of Hanukkah. You still have a historical uh, significance of Hanukkah. And so the Hanukkah is actually a, a nine branch like this one. You know, this is it right here. It's nine branches. See it? Look at that. It's pretty good. So it's nine branches instead of seven. So you have the eight nights and then the shamash to light each one. And that you can celebrate Hanukkah. It doesn't hurt anybody. You can, of course, we, we light them at home. We're going to be lighting them at the church. And, uh, and then, of course, there's some other traditions like spinning the dreidel. It's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's got four um, sides on it with four, you know, uh, Hebrew letters. And so where this came about was they weren't allowed to study the Torah or have Bible studies or Torah studies or Midrash or anything like that. So the Jews would be playing a game and the soldiers would come around and see that they're, uh, you know, they're just playing a game. But really, they were having a Torah study. And of course, we have the chocolate gelt. That is tradition of Hanukkah. And then my favorite. Yeah, there's no guilt in gelt. No, my favorite is next. It's, oh, we'll it's, talk about that. But there were special coins that were minted during the Maccabean revolt and everything like that. And so uh, special coins minted. And so they commemorate that by having some, you know, chocolate coins. And last but not least, the latkes. Uh, see, it's latkes, donuts, and really anything fried. Anything fried is celebrated during Hanukkah. It's a man's feast day. Absolutely. Get the big fry daddy. I think anything good is fried. You go to the state fair, fried Twinkies. Yeah. I never had one. Fried Snickers Me bar. Either. I don't know. But I wouldn't mind trying it, I guess. You've said in the past that, I mean, you could make anything taste good if you fry it. Like That's true. Uh, you probably would eat it. It'd be yeah. good. So, 
In closing here, Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication, and we have to ask ourselves a personal question, Ryan, and what is that personal question? What are we dedicated to? What are we dedicated to? What are we dedicated to? Are we dedicated to the Lord? Are we dedicated to His purposes? Or are we dedicated to something else? So it's interesting how there's been an extension for the current Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Hopefully he can form a coalition and be the next Prime Minister, I guess, sworn in, because Lapid is still the Prime Minister, I believe. Uh, but he's been charged with starting and having a forming a coalition. Israeli parliamentary, you know... Government. Government. That's right. And he was given an extension of 10 days. So I believe that's going to take us into Hanukkah. And it looks like it's coming together. Uh, it looks like it's going to be taking us right into Hanukkah. That's right. And there can be miracles. There can <laughs> be miracles. So we did it. We did it. Praise God. So do you have any points of what can be learned from I, uh, this outline? I would say, you know, um, be prepared for what's coming. That's right. There's a prophetic significance of Hanukkah. <laughs> the Olivet Discourse will bring to light the very things we have done. So as a bride, we can be prepared and be ready and, and equipped. So then do you think that Christians should celebrate Hanukkah? I think they should take part. I absolutely think so, too. Be aware of it. Do some stuff. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if we're asking ourselves the question, should Christians celebrate Hanukkah, let's just realize a couple of the negative side is we wouldn't have the Bible. We wouldn't have Yeshua if oh, yeah. we didn't have the story of Hanukkah. Yeah, there would be no Temple Mount. And it would still be defiled, and Jesus couldn't come. Exactly right. Because so, he had to go to the temple. That's he right. had to be obedient. So they rededicated the temple, and there's going to be another future rededication as part of end times oh, events. Yeah. So we can look at a previous celebration and a future fulfillment, just like for Christians for celebrating all the rest of the feast days. Right. Passover has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled, right? And I want a disclaimer that, you know, Hanukkah does not take the place of Christmas. No, of Just forget not. it. It's two separate things. Right. And... Hanukkah is not a, a mandated feast day. No, it's the bookend to, to all of the celebrations, right. but it's not the Lord's feast. Right. The first one is Purim, which is a, <laughs> the theme is genocide. Yeah. This one's assimilation. Well, and Hanukkah is so relevant to today. So if you're trying to teach your kids, right, take a fun holiday and say, hey, I want to teach my kids about not being like the world, right, about being a part of the remnant that stands up for God, then this is a holiday for you. Where the alternative is what? Christmas? Right. You know? Which I'm not Kwanzaa? saying that Christmas doesn't have yeah, Kwanzaa. Um, I'm not saying that Christmas doesn't have uh, significance from a biblical perspective. Obviously, there's, if you're celebrating the birth of Jesus, maybe do that during the week of Tabernacles versus doing it on right. December 25th. However, pretty cool. As far as teaching your children lessons, I think. But Hanukkah I, I think you know choice. this time of year is very special. I think what it what it entails is I, I believe that Yeshua was conceived at this time. Yeah. So he's a life. Yeah. You know, yeah. I love the Nativity Story that movie. Amen. All right. So why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, we just thank you for uh, being dedicated to us. And as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so I just bless Ryan and his family right now and, and, and the Plummer family as we move forward, Father, in truth and righteousness. And as we come together and be in agreement, have unity, we would thank you for that to be coming. All those that are listening and watching and even in, this, in our community, our church, Father, we just pray for unity. We pray for love for one another, to serve one another. We thank you for this season. We are so grateful, Father. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your healing, and we just thank you for everything. We're so grateful for this time of year. Let us be a light unto the world, as Yeshua is the light uh, of the world. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. 
Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, now there you have it. You've decided with us. I'm sure that Christians should celebrate Hanukkah. Congratulations to you. Yeah. If not, listen, start the conversation below for us so that we know what you guys think about our thoughts. I think our church secretary out. responded back to she one of did. our podcasts. Praise God for Kathy. Somebody. You know, somebody's out there listening. Even if it's the church secretary. Hello, 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 hello. Anyways, uh, if you guys want to reach out to me directly via email, you can do that at ryan at twopraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week.